Bones Knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 412. Jason Lingren is with me and John White, uh, who you may remember was way back in early 2021, who came to us from China talking about the spooky and spooky two devices. I actually have one of the devices. As everyone knows, I was taking care of my mother and I didn't get a lot of chance. Plus, I wasn't sure I wanted to put it on someone with dementia with other people in the room. I did get a little chance to use it, but nowhere near uh, what I would have liked to. And as everybody knows, my mother passed away a couple weeks ago. On the website, there is a spooky to scalar link. It's a little image by all the other things that I've supported. And if you use that, you get tracked in and you get a reduction in your cost. It's blue and white with a little red to the image. Uh, anyhow, welcome, Jason. Ah, on a warm and beautiful Louisiana morning. We're still waiting for it. We got this weird 30 degree mornings all the time, all the way up into May. But uh, let's go ahead and jump in. Welcome, John. Hey, hello. Hello. How have you been since we last talked? Uh, well, I've been locked in, <laughs> locked in China. I haven't been able to travel anywhere. Um, it's a global thing. So if I was to leave China, I'd have the uh, quarantine in the country where I'm going, which would be, probably be home, New Zealand. Um, and on the way coming back, it'll be a um, something just under a month of quarantine. And then the, it's, it's like a prison here. The quarantines they're quite strict, <laughs> very very strict. So it's not a it's not a fun experience. I didn't want to do that with a young family. So I've been um, stuck. Haven't travelled anywhere. Well, unfortunately, there are a lot of people in this country that watch the news, and there has been recent impressions broadcast from the news that um, entire cities are locked down, and people are screaming and losing their minds. Uh, how bad is it in China, from your firsthand observation? Sure. Um, I, I live in Nanjing, which is about 45 minutes train drive to Shanghai, which is the um, epicenter of this um, this bout of the pandemic. And this, uh, the, the first round, which is the Wuhan time, there was chaos and pandemonium because no one knew what it was, what to do. And so the, the, um, the government freaked out and threw everything at the virus and people died, you know, hand over fist. Then they just clamped all the all the cities up. When they when they quarantine an entire city, they don't just barricade the roads; they dig them up. And so you've got to fly fly over ravines basically to um, get to the other side, and they still catch you. <laughs> are you are you kidding me? They they literally destroy the roads so people can't get in and out. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, they, they don't, well, I mean China. I come from a small country, so I notice things, these things where things happen extremely quickly once, once they throw like a, a, a thousand people on the job. So within an hour, a whole city, you cannot drive, walk, cycle, or anyway, even, even back roads or, or, or anywhere. There's just no way in, no way out. Um, they physically make it impossible to um, leave without them knowing. So the first time they they um, dug up the roads and put up these massive, massive concrete barriers that weighed you know, tons each, and and so uh, yeah, people were locked down. But um, China, they really knocked the virus on the head. Um, and when China reopened again, 
It was like there wasn't any virus anywhere. It was like free, and we'd read the news of what's happening in Western countries, and, of course, the government doesn't sort of wait to tell people <laughs> how superior the, the zero-tolerance policy is. Um, in this round, the virus is a different beast, or whatever is causing it is a different animal altogether. It's become stronger, either naturally or otherwise. So, um, but the same the same things are being applied with the zero COVID. It's um, you know um, tolerance. They've dug up the roads, they've barricaded everything, but still it's rising, and it's like it can span a greater distance in the air. It all started, they believe, in Shanghai from travellers from Hong Kong. They um, they went into quarantine, and the circulation, the air circulation, wasn't so hot as in wasn't so good, in the hotel where they were staying. And then it just sort of spread. The first version wouldn't have spread so easily, but this one, it just, it just wants to. Uh, you, you couldn't engineer a more perfect virus to knock off people. So, yeah, we're what, into the, the end of the second month, I think, now. In Nanjing, they haven't locked us down. But to get anywhere, you need to have your phone. You need to show where you've been uh, using tracking software over the last, I think it's two or three weeks. You've got to have tests every two days. Otherwise, you can't go through a door, <laughs> a commercial door, that is. So they're very, very, very tight without locking it in completely. Oh, gosh, I've got to go for a test tonight. I forgot. And it's too late now. So that means I won't be able to go through my... Um, through any doors tomorrow. Oh, gosh. Okay, never mind. Um, so um, that's Nanjing. But um, Shanghai, yes, they've locked it down, and they've just locked it down even tighter if it's at all possible. And it's true, the images that you're seeing in Western news, because I get those feeds as well, um, with people sort of being pushed beyond their um, tolerance level and uh, saying enough's enough. We want to have some... You know, we're, we're, I don't think they're starving as such because what they do here, um, considering that China is so big, it's, it's not really an impersonal country. It's not like authoritarian as you'd, you'd think. Like uh, when we were locked down the first time, we were supplied food. And the Shanghai, um, the local government there, they're also supplying food. I mean, by food, you know, a couple of cabbages, pumpkin, and a bit of meat and stuff, which they cook, but they're not just left to their own devices, um, the people aren't starving. There may be some instances where some people may have missed some food parcels, but um, on the whole, that isn't happening. But, you know, the, the, the sense of having freedom taken away when it drags on and on and, and the, all the authorities are saying, no, we're just, you know, we're, just, we're just about there, we're just about there, guys, just a little bit more. <laughs> And, you know, just just this week, I think the numbers are going down. But before then, the numbers just, they weren't going down. They weren't going up very much, but they're stable, but not going down, which is what you want. And we're getting cross-infections within families that are stuck within the same household. So maybe this is sort of keeping the numbers up. If someone has COVID-19, they don't self-quarantine in homes. They take them to hospitals. I think this is different from other countries. I think other countries, they tell you to stay at home, do not pass, go collect $200. But in China, they uh, grab the person by the collar, 
no, no talking. Let's go. Let's go. One, two, three, four. <laughs> and before you know it, you're in a hospital which has got presumably good air filtering and um, all the rest of it. We're going to run into a huge problem here, Jason. Uh, what's what's what are you thinking? We're going to run into a huge problem with the audience. Um, the way that we're referring to this. Oh, people in this audience don't buy that COVID is real. They don't believe that viruses have been described properly. Right. Well, let's ask this question. Are people actually getting sick or is it just positive tests? Well, I've had two friends die from an infection that they got an immune response from whatever was in their body. I mean, you can can call it whatever name you like, but the deaths are real. As I say, two two very close friends of mine have died. Um, I've got a very close friend in South Africa that's been. He's not in hospital. He's at home, but he's he's been um, very very ill from something. It's not from five G. <laughs> it's not from smelling roses. It's something there. I don't know what else I can call it, but it's it's invoked an immune response. His lungs are filled up with mucus. It's not it's not a flu. It's much stronger than that, so I don't know. I don't know how else I can. What right. other thing I can call it? This is the problem that we've gone at all the way back to when we interviewed people from New York, where yeah. they were getting sick too. The the problem becomes that people are at odds everywhere uh, with regard to information. And Jason and I found firsthand people were sick and dying. Um, we found later that what was being done in the hospitals was causing a huge amount of life loss. But the problem becomes, and see, we're not, how would you describe it, Jason? I mean, when we did, when we were looking at New York and speaking with people, people, we saw people like uh, Big Al as a good example. They got very sick, uh, almost died. But the problem becomes is everybody knows that this is engineered, this whole situation. And so it becomes very difficult to talk about these things. Well, I don't. I, I believe it's also been engineered. It's it's something has been made and it's been constantly improved. I, there's there's no doubt about it. But what is it? They can self replicate, but non living. If it's not a virus or a bacteria or whatever. This this is the trap that we find ourselves in. Yeah. There are there are numbers of people who are not in allopathy who have said uh, germ theory is provable nonsense. Uh, I have spoke with people who are very bright and in the know that say it's actually a cross between the two, but germ theory isn't described properly. Then there's a litany of people that simply pointed out a virus has never been isolated. And that even gets complicated because Rife, who I'm sure you're very familiar with because we're about to talk about your machines, Rife imaged things that were alive. And some of those things got called viruses and they were That's imaged. Right. So yeah. this whole conversation becomes very difficult because it's clear where you and I agree, this whole thing's been engineered on some level. Mm. Anyhow, I think we should switch over and get, get into the machines because I don't want to sidetrack too far off. Sure. But for everybody listening, uh, this is these are the problems that we face to try to cover another part of the world because the word virus gets said. Uh, we don't have the language. Nobody's quite sure why did people like Big Al that we had on this episode get so sick? What caused it? Uh, it's not debatable. The man almost lost his life. 
But then again, there's what's happened in the hospital with remdesivir. With, as a matter of fact, this week, members of Crow 777 Radio banded together, apparently, I'm told by Rose, to try to save a life in a hospital. So this whole thing's gotten quite upside down. So why don't we jump into the spooky devices? Okay. And I'll tell everyone firsthand, the one that I got, what, what's the name of the one that I got, John? Oh, I can't, I don't know which one you got. Was it just- It's the two suitcases. Oh, Scalar. Scalar. So yeah. I have the scalar one. It is so well made. It's got like these hard road cases. Well, I was a roadie, but people know <laughs> these hard plastic road cases that are tough as nails and it's just put together so nicely. But let's jump in, Jason. You want to lead us into the Spooky 2 devices? All right. So I guess we'll start with how many different brands do you have? Well, there's four brands that we have. Uh, we've got the Spooky 2 brand, which is the main one. Part of the Spooky 2 family is our scalar device, which, which you have. Um, we've also got MirrorMate, uh, which is predominantly Pulse DMF, and Hiwi. Hiwi is, um, we've got a beautiful, beautiful portable generator under the Hiwi brand. And we should define what the Spooky devices are. Then the, the name of the website is Spooky2, the number two, dot com, Spooky2.com. Are all the devices based on what Royal Raymond Rife was about, or are just some of them based on that? Probably half of them. <laughs> Our very first accessory wasn't was one that was uh, based on remote transmission, if you like, of uh, frequencies. And um, from then we focused more on the one which was a plasma, which is definitely the Royal Rife aligned accessory that we have and that's a very powerful device uh, but we also do the contact mode which is probably a john crane type device and, and others have you gotten any pushback in china the idea here in america is that raymond royal rife was bushwhacked that his tech was taken i think some accounts may have him in jail i don't know if i'm right but are you when you are creating these things is there any pushback against you for what you're creating what you've just brought up as the main reason why I moved to China. There's actually more freedom here, maybe because even today, maybe half the doctors here are traditional Chinese doctors rather than allopathic doctors. So people are very open. For example, if you're, if you're sick and you go to a Chinese doctor, they might say, well, your, your energy flow is blocked, and then they give you some massage or vacuum cup treatment or acupuncture or, or herbs. They look at things holistically, uh, which was what all countries used to do years ago before they all got hobbled for right or wrong, or for wrong. <laughs> but um, there's greater freedom here. The months before I left New Zealand, for viewers who don't know, New Zealand is real close to Australia. Australia is an island off New Zealand. I was under investigation by authorities Two floors above me was a cancer research group, and I was a clandestine operation under them. I had a clinic there, and they uh, suspected this, and they hired an investigator to, um, to find out more. There's other pressures from other agencies as well, because I was only like about 500 metres away from the main Auckland hospital, the largest hospital in New Zealand, and they've got their research groups. 
And yeah, things got just a little bit too dicey. So I, I pulled anchor and came to um, China, which you wouldn't normally associate China with the land of the free. <laughs> but I think in China, because there's just so many people, unless you're making really big waves, people leave you alone, or the authorities do. We're not licensed to sell products in China, though. Uh, we need to apply for a license for that. But the fact that we're making the types of devices that restore health to people, in most countries, it will raise a, few, raise a few eyebrows, even if it is products just for export use. But in China, they don't really care. Uh, you know, we pay our taxes. <laughs> That's the most important thing. So we are export only. It's a shame because there's... You know, China's the uh, the world's highest rate of cancers through smoking for you know over every other country. In fact, the first thing babies get when they're born isn't a, isn't a dummy; it's a cigarette stuffed in their mouth. Not quite that bad, but it's almost that bad. They're really everybody smokes here. Everybody and smoking is actually generates the greatest income for the country. So I guess that's probably why they're not too keen on um, having any sort of drives to reduce the number of people that smoke. But apparently smoking isn't so good for you and um, it causes early death. And um, my theory is with early death, there's fewer people to have to pay um, retirement for because they do have retirement money here. So, you know, it's a win-win situation for the government. But that's sad. But anyway, we we only export uh, to uh, all countries of the globe. I'm not sure whether we're exporting to Russia at the moment uh, with the problems and things that are happening there. That might be uh, one country that may have may, may not be uh, exporting to at the moment. What we've noticed is when you get attention like that, um, if you're not harming anyone, uh, it seems like the allopathy machine is pushing back on a thing they're worried works. So let's get right into it. You mentioned cancers. So I'm assuming we're going to talk about uh, how your devices could help in situations like that, but what are healing frequencies? And I will preface it from my point of view, my foundational view of the world that is if, if it exists, it vibrates. Uh, my foundational view of the world is those big stones around the world that nobody can quite figure out how they were moved. It wasn't aliens in my mind. Uh, they did it with cymatics. They did it with a vibratory rate. And so if you go down the paths that I have with cymatics, you begin to realize that to say the word frequency is basically to say the word vibration in a different way, and then that opens up a whole other door. So what, in fact, are healing frequencies? Healing frequencies are movements. Okay, well, I'll go, um, I'll go a step back. Healing frequencies are anything that makes your body function better. Your body consists of multiple frequencies, but some of these frequencies can be out of tune or not strong enough. But by entrainment, through entrainment, you can restore the balance that's in, that should be in your body. Everything is frequency. Everything, all solids are not solid. <laughs> They're just, you know, little units vibrating at their own natural frequencies. And our own cells, each cell has a natural frequency. Our genome, the, We've got the same DNA strand in all the cells in our body, and you can make that genome vibrate or other genomes that shouldn't be inside your body vibrate. Through vibration, you're introducing energy 
So on a microscopic level, if you've got a, a cell that shouldn't be in your body, you can apply a frequency specific for that cell and cause a cell to um, stop working properly and stop dividing. Rife proved that, right? Was it Rife that proved you could knock out, we'll just say malignant things? Yes, he. there's works of um, other scientists before him, like the Abrams machine. He, what Royal Rife found is that you could use frequencies like a sniper rifle. You can have one cell bad and a whole lot of good cells, and you can apply a frequency that only hits that bad cell. And the other cells aren't even touched. They don't even notice the frequencies because they don't resonate. They don't vibrate at the same natural frequencies. And it's by cherry-picking the frequencies, getting the right frequency, you know, that you can actually do this targeting and, and uh, annihilation or whatever you want out of your body. Wouldn't this be analogous, which been so-called Tesla tech, the, the whole bridge thing? People are probably aware of it. You take this little vibrating box, you put it on a like a steel bridge, and you leave it there and it vibrates. Eventually, the entire structure comes to resonate with that frequency, and then it just kind of collapses at some point when the entire thing has been resonated to the frequency of the vibrating box. Now, is, wouldn't that be analogous to what you're talking about with a cell? It is. And the, the box itself uh, is not extremely powerful. It's got a, a weight that gets um, that moves with a vibration, but it's not a heavy weight, but it's enough. And if the dampening effect of the, they call it a, a resonant circuit, it's like a dampening effect. If, you, if you're pushing something and it's got a high dampening effect, it may not resonate. But if it hasn't got much opposition to, the, to movement, then each time the, the weight pushes on the structure, it adds to the energy that's already swinging. And so after a period of time, it can be minutes, it's vibrating wildly, you know, with, to the point of where it can self-destruct. Structures that are made from steel or concrete, it's quite, quite easy to get them to resonate quite wildly because they tend to be quite rigid. And rigid structures, um, they don't have much elasticity. <laughs> and they can be distorted beyond, beyond their um, ability to, to withstand. So they, they get cracks and then they break. It's quite scary, but I mean, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have done this. They've a big, solid wooden fence, and you, you just start pushing just a little bit, and then you notice the rate at which it swings back, to, returns, and then you push it on the next time it goes away. And just keep at that same rate, and soon that um, that fence is swinging wildly, really immense energy. Or if you're in a lift, you start bouncing up and down. If you jump, then you feel the vibration of the lift, and then you start bouncing up and down at that vibration rate, it gets scary after a little while. I do this quite often. <laughs> it gets quite scary, especially if it's a, a rope lift. Tremendous energies build up if, if you apply resonant frequencies. With regards to the DNA resonant frequencies, worked out the precise DNA frequencies uh, for DNA RNA and mRNA. Uh, we've released a paper describing the methods because we didn't want anyone to patent it, which had been done in the past for a, um, a more primitive uh, method of calculating the DNA frequencies. And this is where DNA is regarded as a twisted helical coil antennae. There are errors that were made in the commercial sets that are, you can buy for $15 each. <laughs> 
but these errors have been corrected in the free version that we have. So we've got, I think the, in our previous interview, I had something like 30,000 frequencies in our database, but now it's about 55, 58,000 frequencies in total. Uh, so we can, we can, you can look up any cell type and apply the frequency and know that you're targeting the DNA that's in that frequency. So it might be a parasite, a parasitic worm that's inside you. You can target that worm. And it goes a bit deeper than this. You can also emulate substances through frequencies, um, in particular with a scalar unit like yourself, uh, like your one, sorry, um, you know, Spooky 2 Scalar. You can send the information of a substance into the scalar field and just sleep or, or live within the scalar field. And you're getting the effects of that substance. Oh, so we, sh- we should point out what you're talking about. On, on the device that I have, there's like a little table. It's a little circle. And I could, for instance, take a crystal and put it on there to emulate that frequency, right? Is that what you're referring to? That's precisely right. And a lot of people use crystals. Um, you can put the energy, the energy does go through the scalar field, or you can put some water in a glass vessel on the transmitter coil and imprint the frequencies and then uh, consume the water as you leisure during the day. You can take the water to work and, and get the effects of the uh, substance while you're at work. There's been a lot of researchers that have found that water um, has got magical abilities, and one you know one of the many abilities is to store frequencies and store information. Luke Montagnier, he found that he could actually imprint DNA through sound from France to Italy <laughs> through a sound file, a flash disk. He recorded it, sent it to researchers in. Um, Italy, and then they played the audio to music through a coil, and the water then had the DNA inside the water. So it's that was that's proven, but not often talked about in, in mainstream media. Well, th- this brings us to the idea of why the orchestral A tuning was pulled from 432, or one of the so-called Verde tunings, up to 440. Um, now think about music based on, on what John just said. And by the way, the device has two sides. On one side, you could charge water. On the other side, you could introduce a crystal's frequency. But to get back around, the first time this started to make a difference to me was years ago, I read and one, I don't know, it was some old Rosicrucian thing or something like that. Uh, the only difference between a marshmallow and a brick of concrete is the frequency rate. And that's what got me thinking. But if you begin to consider the music tuning that I was mentioning, there's eight cycles a second different, but that makes a difference, doesn't it? Even eight cycles a second is something different. That's right. A huge difference too. And the whole scale changes. And why would they do that? Um, and when I dig further into reasons of why it's always ugly. <laughs> I got very interested in, in the audio side of frequencies with Luke Montagnier, but before him, I saw this video of these monks who were chanting um, to a person that had a, let's see, it was in their liver, a stone in their liver. Oh, no, it was a, it was a cancerous tumour in their liver. Gosh, it was such a long time ago. I hope I'm getting this right. 
they chanted, it was four monks, and they were chanting, chanting, and and, and um, the person was in an MRI unit, in an MRI machine. And you, the MRI machine, you could see the tumour shrinking, 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 gone. It, it disappeared. The audio of these monks chanting was analysed. They found that all four of them were perfectly, not just synchronised in tone, but synchronised in waveform. As the waveform goes up on one of, of the sound on one monk, on all the other on the other three, the same thing happened. And this video is available to view on, I oh know, probably isn't now, is it? They probably would have pulled it by now. It used to be on YouTube. Now, I went to, um, this was in China, I went to the temple where the monks were from, and I found out a little bit more about the um, story behind it. They were going to do a re repeat the exercise with another person that had an illness, there's a bit of a pushback in China when things get down to this level. And these people basically live in caves and mountains. There's no other better way of putting it. They use the Taoism way of living rather than the Buddhist way of living. Taoism is very much into longevity. People living 2,000 years or more. There's a documented proof of a person living 279 years, but he was, a, he was only a youngie when he died, but people living like 2,000 years, but they live in isolation and they keep away from other people, or no, that's not true, they keep away from modern people. They live in the mountains of the uh, temples, uh, which I frequent, and this one particular temple, I spoke to one of the people that was involved, who recorded that um, incident where these uh, monks were giving this um, chant to this person in the MRI machine. And he described it in vivid detail, the preparations before it and how they had difficulty trying to convince doctors that it wasn't a terrible waste of time to do and uh, then you know have the bravery to release it out on YouTube. And it is quite a big step, but if it was proven, it's on film and it's not fake. It's, you know, it's a video that's maybe 10 years ago. It's too, way too early to sort of <laughs> fake things properly. They just didn't have the technology then. You think immediately people would be wanting to know why, how they can do it, how they can bring it to the masses. But no, it's like nothing. So uh, <laughs> I know you're the, I don't need to convince you guys that, um, the way things of God isn't that hot. But um, they were using natural frequencies and nothing else, only frequencies. And when you consider that frequencies are mass, not just movement, but on a microscopic level, they're mass, it's, it's light, photons, it's like everything is vibration. It's like, well, why aren't we going down this path? Well, you know, fortunately, some of us are, but it seems like um, not enough people are. What I've noticed is that I don't know, it's like an awakening. More and more people are becoming aware of the potential behind the use of frequencies, not just through our machines, but through just anything and anything. If you get the frequencies right, real magic happens. Absolutely amazing things happen. Uh, but you've got to get the right frequency. I never expected to um, 
ever talk to the person who was involved in that video, but I did. Nice guy. Great English, by the way. <laughs> you know, most people here don't really speak English very well, but um, he's very ner- learned. He used to do, he used to be a telecommunications engineer, so that may explain why he could um, speak English so well. He went overseas, overseas being America, for uh, a few years in his formal training. He gave it all up to live the life of a monk, but he never forgot his formal training and he took it on himself to find these immortals, immortals being people that live into their thousands, and bring to the world proof of what they could do. These lifespans are represented in the Bible with people like Methuselah. Yes, absolutely. And the, and the crazy people say now, oh, years are shorter. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever turns your crank, you know. Yeah, um, I've been to temples where the monks have died and they're 300, 500 years old. Their bodies don't decay. They're not preserved. They're not coated with anything. And they've got their bodies within, you can't touch them because they're behind barriers, but they're there as them. I've seen people that have been embalmed. I mean, um, even the late president here has been embalmed, and and I've seen him in in the flesh as well. But he was like a bright yellow with with chemicals and that. But these monks, they haven't. They've just died. And the crazy thing is they can die. One one of them, he turned to his friend sitting next to him. He said, I'm I'm now going to die. He got into a yoga position, a um, praying position, and died. And he didn't move in death, and so they they couldn't they couldn't move him for fear of changing his posture because there was like a sacred position. So they built around him like a, a, a an open tomb. They wanted it open so people could understand that what they are seeing is a miracle, um, but they didn't want to disturb him. There are just for everybody listening. There are documented examples of exactly what John just described in Tibet. There are places where there are bodies that they're not even sure how old they are, but they never decayed. And of course, for those of you who have seen the Hollywood special with Kinu Reeves called Baby Buddha, Little Buddha, maybe it's Little Buddha, um, there is a death scene portrayed in there um, that starts to point to and emulate exactly what John said. The, The head monk, I think he's the abbot just gets into the praying position. He says, I'm going to die now. And he does it. Oh, really? Um, oh, I haven't yeah. seen that. <laughs> it's it's a very low level point to what you're doing. But in some of the, like I read many of the older books, like Gampopa, Milrepa, some of the heroes from the Tibetan Buddhism tradition. And then I became aware that there are actually verified real like tombs that they found, like a cave somewhere where there's a body they claim is hundreds and hundreds of years old that never decayed. Absolutely. And the, these caves can be damp, they can be water dripping down the sides, but they still don't get moldy. It's, and I've seen it, I've seen it. <laughs> and it's hard to, I mean, you read about it and you think, oh, okay, yeah, right. And then if you're semi-intelligent, you think, well, okay, they've kept it in a dry location, you know, they've uh, made it so it's become desiccated and everything. But no, the body's not, it's still like plump, it's still, it's scary. You know, but it's it's real. 
you know, for all my technical training and, and everything, I look for, I look for the flaws, you know, the, the, the tricks, if you like, you know, thinking, you know, maybe they just wheel them into the refrigerator at nighttime and things like this, you know, but no, it's, it is real. Um, so that, that sort of, it makes you realize, you know, or maybe realize that there's so much more, you know, to, to life, to everything. Then we realize, and, and you, you mentioning that everything is vibrational. That's absolutely true. Everything is vibration. And mantras, um, holy mantras, they're vibration. The thought, like, like absolutely everything, our language is, can be a healing vibration as well. If you talk to water, you freeze it. If you say you love the water, it's beautiful. The crystals that are formed are, are wonderful. If you hate it, you know, well, it's going to be rather random crystals <laughs> as the water hates you back. And rather than just read about it, um, there's a Japanese researcher that piqued our interest. We, we repeated the experiment. We've got our own biological lab here in, in, um, in our premises, and we, we exposed uh, one glass of water to very positive energy. Gosh, we loved that water. It was so beautiful and sparkly. And... Um, then we we tried our best to hate water that was in this other glass. We certainly gave it some harsh words. Froze both in exactly the same conditions at the same time. And the difference in the crystals that were formed in the water was very profound. We froze it in uh, Petri dishes without algae. And the crystals of the water that was loved looks like the uh, cartoon snowflakes. Perfectly symmetrical, looks like stars, sparkly stars, whereas the other one looked like cracked glass, crazed glass, just random cracks through the eyes. Just, yeah. So there's vibration, it can make a very, very real difference to things that are metaphysical. We should point out uh, what John's referring to is the work, I believe, of Dr. Emoto. Uh, It's readily available online and it's critically important because it proves, in fact, that basically, if you want to put it in a roundabout way, that your human intention can be embedded in water. Now, think of other things that we know go on in our world and you'll begin to realize why. The idea of holy water. So some priest blessed this water. What's he doing? He's put his intention, which makes you wonder was the guy who blessed this water a good man or not so good a man? <laughs> because now you're beginning to realize what they're doing. And it is all frequency. I would refer everyone to Walter Russell's Universal One. Uh, it is the exact same idea expressed in way more vivid detail. Basically, if I was going to say it, because I'm not Walter Russell, nowhere near Walter Russell, everything vibrates. There's your foundation. That's right. That's right. Now, through learning the importance of audio, language, and the use of the frequencies, we've um, added a new accessory that is placed on the top of the Spooky Tree Scalar. Now, can I go back a little bit and just explain to our listeners what the what, what scalar fields are? You should. Okay, well, scalar fields are the natural way of, uh, or it's a natural field. Our cells have got twisted DNA a twisted helical coil within each of our cells, they are a natural scalar receiver. If you were to build an antenna to receive scalar fields, it will be a twisted double helix, which is not a coincidence. A scalar field 
um, behaves very differently to in the electric or magnetic field as most people are more familiar with. A scalar field is a static field. It's like a giant soap bubble. It doesn't move wildly or quickly. Once it's established, it can actually pass through virtually anything, including Faraday cages, thick concrete walls and uh, reinforcing, as if it's not there. It's a form of a longitudinal wave, but it's a little bit more complicated because it's got a bit of a toroid to it as well. But in simple terms, the field forms like a giant zeppelin between the two scalar boxes that we have. And if you're within the scalar field, even if you don't do anything else, you're doing one of the best things that you can do for your body because every cell in your body is receiving the, um, the positive energy of the scalar field. Quite often when people are sick, it's because they're, they haven't got the energy to uh, restore the body to health. The scalar field provides the energy in the right form. If you're just applying the form through contact mode, which is holding onto hand cylinders or using TENS pads, you've got an e electron flow through your body, which does kind of energize your cells, but not in a natural form. So your body's sort of like fighting, resisting the flow of this energy through each cell. But the scalar field passes through unimpeded, and your body sort of cherry picks the part of the field that it wants. If you introduce into the scalar field information, such as, think of a good example, a, a bit of vitamin C, a vial of vitamin C, every cell in your body is receiving all the information of that vitamin C. The cells that need the vitamin C for whatever purpose will receive that energy, will accept that energy. And those that don't need the vitamin C just let it pass straight through. But we, we found just how important it was for audio to be um, used in vibration-type treatments. So we've got this accessory that introduces audio into the scalar field. We are aware it's been done before um, by another manufacturer, but the way that they did it was basically wrong, <laughs> provably wrong, but I can't mention, I can't, I can't name drop because it's kind of a negative thing. But um, the way that Spooky Scalar does it is, is very nice. If you tuned a radio and have the radio close to the link cable, which is the EMF part of the scalar uh, circuit, you'll hear very clearly and without distortion the audio that's being introduced into the scalar. There's no commercial scalar receiver built to date, so you can't directly measure the uh, scalar field and any information that's being passed through the scalar field. The closest you can do is to measure the, um, the EMF part of the circuit just before it gets turned into scalar. With the other scalar device I was mentioning before, the signal is highly distorted especially at, um, at the higher frequencies. But our one has um, got fantastic clarity. A step further from that, you can put, um, we've also got a, an accessory that, that plays audio. It's preloaded with the healing mantras. Um, we've got a Grammy Award-winning artist to have some tracks on there for healing. We um, have Ho'oponopono on there. 
more, I'll just mention more about that in a moment, and others as well, including the uh, the audio tale of the Liao Funds for Lessons, uh, which was a for the benefit of people who aren't familiar with this. Uh, Liao Fan was a gentleman that lived, oh gosh, something like 250 years ago. He wasn't a special person, but he, he found out, he discovered something profound, so profound that he decided to write down what he had learned for the benefit of his sons. <laughs> uh, and, and, and it was passed down through the family and was forgotten. It was rediscovered something like 100 years ago. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm wrong, but a long time ago it was discovered by a person who fortunately realizes how profound it was, and um, they turned it into a book. Uh, this book has been translated to over 200 languages now and is available worldwide everywhere. What the book discusses is how you can change your fate. People are dealt with um, a deck of ha- cards when they're born, and uh, I won't go into the, the the deep details. But a lot of people think, "Well, that's my lot." You know, I've, I've got this hereditary problem that runs in the family. It's going to happen to me. And there's nothing I can do about it. Well, there is. If you read the book, it's it's divided into four chapters. Each chapter takes about twenty minutes to read at leisure. It's not a, it's not a, a very large book, but if you read and think about it hard and apply what the book talks about. You start seeing changes in your life. Well, what's it called, John? What's the title of the book? Lao Funds. I'll spell it L-I-A-O. That's his first name. And his last name is F-A-N. So it's Lao Funds for Lessons. All right. Well, we're coming up on hour one. Jason, I thought I heard you try to pick up a couple times, but I wasn't sure uh, the the uh, the connection we have. Were you trying to add something in, or? Uh, well, I think you got it when I was trying to point out intent. Ah, uh, which uh, just to reference back, uh, you could attach the idea of intent, which you should, to Doctor Amoto's work in bedding water. But let's let's we're going to have to wrap up hour one here, John. So let's be perfectly clear. There's a spooky two scalar image under the audio of every episode. It's blue and white with a little red two. Uh, if you click that to get over to www.spooky2.com, uh, you can see the things that we've been discussing here. And by the way, there last time I was looking when I first got my device, there are quite a number of videos that begin to show you what we're talking about. Um, these are important episodes, and I hope people get beyond our opening having to deal with so-called COVID, which is the stumbling block of our generation. To say the least, these ideas to me are among the most important. And the reason is because of what Walter Russell showed us, because of what Royal Raymond Rife showed us, because of what I know to be a correct about anything that exists in this world, it vibrates. Um, it's really that simple. If everything vibrates, what that means is things are different because they're vibrating different. Why is that red and not blue? You could track that back to vibration. There's all these things that go on in our world that are described in other ways that have nothing to do with vibration. John, do you want to give people contact information? And we are in hour one. If you give out an email address, it might get used a lot. You've, you've mentioned our main website and from spooky2.com, you can go to um, all our other pages or most of our other pages 
I just wanted to point out that we've had to remove a lot of our videos oh. uh, through pressure. Through, I'm, I'm sure your viewers are aware that there is pressure on on people that don't follow the same, <laughs> you know, that, that are providing real solutions. They they um, they try and uh, cause problems, and they're they're causing problems to us now. And one of the things we had to do is remove a lot of the videos. I'm not sure how much we've managed to retain there, which is a shame, a crying shame. Censorship. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. So go go ahead. Beyondspooky2.com, you were going to say, I think, another web page? Yes. Well, I mean, we've got, um, if you go to the contact us, we've got our emails and everything. There's um, other websites we have, like hewe.com. That's H-E-A-W-E-A.com. And that's our Hewe Micogen, our, our portable generator. That's quite, well, it's very amazing. As well as our... Um, uh, here, Michael Jen, and uh, gosh, can't <laughs> um, it's late in the evening. Um, so I'm trying to think of our other websites. We've got but spooky2.com is, is our main site, it's a launch pad for our Facebook groups and our, our forum. Yeah, okay. Um, Jason, anything you want to get in? And by the way, when we come back, I'd like to start to get into Solfeggio. We'll have to listen for Jason for some reason. When he's cutting in, I'm barely catching it. And so we'll pick up on Solfeggio and I'd like to hear the rest of Lao Fun. That's very interesting to me. I'm going to be looking for that book. Uh, if I find it, I'll link it. All right. Um, there it is, everybody. There's hour one of episode 412 with Jason Lingren and John White. We're basically talking about scalar devices and other things, some of which are based on Rife's work. All of it is based on what Walter Russell was talking about, how there is one unifying everything that unifies everything that we call existence. Russell does a much better job, and I think he refers to light a lot. But what is light? Light is a vibration. It's a frequency. There's all these different ways we could talk about it, which are probably not as precise as these learned, learned men who described it, some of which were in the, in the throes of enlightenment when they came to realize when they were writing these are important devices, and I hope we can get into hour two and do a bit better job. Right before I sign off, John, is all the uh, the descriptions and literature still available on the site? A lot of it. We've had to remove a lot of the um, uh, a lot of the, uh, the the things that show how it worked. Like mm. you know, um, yep, <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. It is. It is a crying shame because it means that fewer people will come to realize. In fact, it's. it's this is our second battle <laughs> that we're going through at the moment. It's, it's it makes us realize just how other people have had problems in, in in making you know this knowledge known. You think about it, you know, if something works, you want other people to know about it so that it can work for them as well. But well, that's not the way the world works now. The ring wraiths ride in black. I think Zeppelin said they weren't wrong. This is the world that we're facing. These are important ideas. Uh, as a whole, many of us are waking up. I think these will come back to the fore. Uh, I'm going to wrap up hour one of 412. We're going to come back, open up with Solfeggio. And one last time, there is a link that gets you reduction in cost. I'm assuming you could email. Uh, if you can't find videos or descriptions, you could probably email to get the information that you'd like to know. Anyhow, the hour two will be at crow777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W, 777radio.com. Dot com for members 
And I'd like to wish each and every one of you a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. And these are critically important devices. And it's a shame that we're where we're at in the world right now, trying to describe where we are, where the very things that describe it best, like the videos, are being removed. There it is, man. Cheers. Belief is the enemy of knowing.